We'll turn again this morning to Deuteronomy chapter 24 and we'll read a few verses there. Deuteronomy chapter 24 and we'll read from verse 12. And if the man be poor, thou shalt not sleep with his pledge. In any case, thou shalt deliver him the pledge again when the sun goeth down that he may sleep in his own raiment, and bless thee. And it shall be righteousness unto thee before the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not oppress an hired servant that is poor and needy, whether he be of thy brethren, or of thy strangers that are in thy land within thy gates. At this day thou shalt give him his hire, Neither shall the sun go down upon it, for he is poor, and setteth his heart upon it, lest he cry against thee unto the Lord, and it be sin unto thee. Take a note of that, just lest he cry against thee unto the Lord, and it be sin unto thee. The father shall not be put to death for the children, neither shall the children be put to death for the fathers. Every man shall be put to death for his own sin. Very important verse there too. Thou shalt not pervert the judgment of the stranger, nor of the fatherless, nor take a widow's raiment to pledge. But thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in Egypt, and the Lord thy God redeemed thee thence. Therefore I command thee to do this thing. God will bless us as we study his word. You know, scripture has a lot to say about the treatment of the poor. Whether they were from Israel or whether they were strangers who were within their gates, as they talk about, or the widows or the fatherless. Widows, uh, you weren't to take any pledge for a widow's raiment and various things like that and you know the the, the principle of being uh, having a practical attitude to relieving the poor is carried on right into the New Testament <clears throat> it's an admirable practice Proverbs 19 verse 17 he that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord and that which he hath given he will pay him again now we obviously don't give to the poor in order that we get something back from the Lord but if we have that love and desire to help the poor God says it's like lending to him Proverbs 28 verse 6 better is he that is poor that walketh in his uprightness than he that is perverse in his ways, though he be rich. It's a blessing to walk as in poverty if you're walking in uprightness than if you're rich and walk in your own perverse ways. You know, the Israelites were constantly reminded of what their position was when they were in Egypt. In verse 18, it says... But thou shalt remember 
that thou wast a bondman in Egypt, a slave in Egypt. The Lord thy God redeemed thee thence. Therefore I command thee, thee to do this thing. They had been harshly treated while they were in Egypt. I often think their natural reaction would to be uh, to have a, an, an animosity towards anything to do with Egypt or people who came out of Egypt. But God here is teaching them a lesson. You were severely treated. You know how hard your life was there. You know the deprivations you had to bear. So in turn you should show sympathy and sensitivity towards those in the situation in which you suffered when you were in Egypt. And you know as Christians we have many verses to encourage us as to how we should walk and act in a similar fashion to the way God was recommending here for the people of Israel. Romans 12:17, Recompense no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. 1 Thessalonians 5.15 See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. 1 Peter 3.9 Not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrawise, blessing. Knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. We're to be a blessing. The Israelites, God had said, were to be a blessing throughout the world. Unfortunately, they failed. But also, knowing that ye are called to be a blessing. First Timothy six seventeen, Charge, command them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy that these people that he's charging and commanding that they do good and that they be rich in good works ready to distribute and willing to communicate thereby laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life Hebrews thirteen sixteen. but do not forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices God is well pleased Galatians 6 9 and 10 and let us not be weary in well doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. We're to do good. Now unfortunately the balance has been uh, disturbed and we have now a social gospel. The main thing that Jesus sent us out to do was to... to preach the gospel, to teach people, to baptize people, and to bring them up in the knowledge and all the teachings of God. But the balance now has gone the other way. We have ignored that teaching and the social gospel has 
taken over. You know, we've been so blessed spiritually. We have been redeemed out of Egypt. That's the figure we have. Egypt always represents the kingdom of Satan. And we've been redeemed out of Satan's kingdom from that evil taskmaster. So we should have a particular sensitivity for those who are still in Egypt. In bondage to Satan. And our main task is to ensure that those people have the opportunity to accept Christ as their saviour. We desire that they should be redeemed and their lives enriched by following Jesus. Paul reminded the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians, a few verses here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, reading from verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus. They had been saved by grace. That in everything you were enriched in him. We are enriched in Christ. Think of all the riches, all the good things, all the the wonderful things that apply to our lives now. That we are Christians. Read first the first chapter of Ephesians and see all the blessings we have there. Accepted in the beloved, brought into the family of God. Given the Holy Spirit as a seal of our guaranteed inheritance and so on. That I thank my God always concerning you. For the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus, that in everything you were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you, so that you are not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. They were waiting eagerly for the rapture, for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who will also confirm you to the end. Blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. Through whom you were called into fellowship with his son. Jesus Christ our Lord. We are in a situation of being in fellowship with God's son. What a wonderful situation. They found themselves. They had come figuratively out of Egypt, into the out of the darkness, into the light of the glory of God. Last week we looked at the giving and receiving of pledges. In these verses with us today, we see two events which were to occur regarding pledges. And they were to occur before sundown. The first one in verse 13. If a pledge had been taken of a man's raiment. And it says if a garment was taken from the poor it had to be returned before sundown. In order that he could be warm at night. so poor that he needed his garment back again so that he could be worn at night 
Many people today do not really understand the plight of the poor. Most of us live in comparative luxury compared with most people in the world. Even in this affluent society, nevertheless, in the United Kingdom, there are still many in dire straits and need all the help in practical terms that is available. You know, if we go to the third world, it's so much, so much worse. Remember when I was in the slums of Calcutta, I went into a tenement with an Indian friend of mine. He, he was bringing me to meet some people who went to his church. And he ran a, an aid program. I remember walking down the corridor, I couldn't see him in front of me. There was no daylight in the centre of the building. We went into a room. And in the room was a family. And there was, there, was, there was really nothing in the room of any value. There was a bed, a few chairs, a table, and tin chests which I presume they kept their clothes in. didn't see what their, their kitchen was like or what any other facility was in the place. Just complete poverty. They, they had to use the public conveniences out on the street. And they were terrible. Because there were a few people in the family, some of them had to sleep on the street outside. Because there wasn't room for them in their room. You see, for people such as that, if you took their garments away, they needed it to keep warm at night. As an insider, they, they asked me to pray when we were leaving. You realise how difficult it is to pray with people who have nothing. We thank God for all the blessings he's given to us, for our food, our clothing, our health and strength. But these people have nothing. One thing I do remember, I spoke to one of the little girls and she wanted to become a nurse. I remember when I came home I said, what chances has that little girl ever have of becoming a nurse? I went back a few years later, quite a few years later, and she had become a nurse. And she was a Sunday school teacher and she was working in one of the hospitals in Calcutta. My faith wasn't as strong as hers. So that was a very sensible and humanitarian pledge and command to bring that pledge back before sundown. And then in verse 15, it says, If you hired a poor man, you were to give him his wages before sundown. You weren't to keep his wages for the next day. You were to pay him as he went home so as he could go and get some food for his his family and then it says an interesting thing at the end of that verse I read it twice when we were doing it lest he cry against thee unto the Lord and it be sin unto thee just remember that little passage because we look at it again as we uh, go on this is as I was doing this, I was reminded of a third occasion in Scripture 
where it is said not to let the sun go down. Remember years ago I lived in Bangor in Northern Ireland and before I was married I played a bit of hockey for the local team and I was leaving to get married. One of the team gave me some good advice. I always remember this chap, he'd had a tragic loss, he'd lost a little girl and died. But we were chatting and his advice, Ephesians 4, 26, Be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And he gave me that advice. You know, as we go through our Christian life, there are many occasions when we may have cause to have a type of righteous anger. Look at Mark 3. Mark 3, Jesus had the situation. Reading from verse 1. And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him, the Pharisees the leaders of the synagogue watched him whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he saith unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life or to kill? <laughs> but they held their peace. They couldn't answer him. They were afraid. And when he had looked around about on them with anger, oh, he was cross. Being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand, and he stretched it out. And his hand was restored whole as the other. The Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him that how they might destroy him. But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea. After being angry at the hardness of their hearts, he was disturbed. He withdrew himself to the seaside. What a wonderful example here for us. He withdrew to the quietness of the seaside with his disciples. Well, if you read on, he didn't get the, the chance to have peace and quiet, but that was the, the general idea. You know, we must be aware that Satan will endeavor to test us, to tempt us, to dwell on situations and allow bitterness to creep in. Ephesians 4 is a very good chapter to read. You know, anger may be as, uh, as holy a feeling as any other, but we must not let it reta retain it so as to let it degenerate into our fleshly, sinful nature be angry but don't sin 
Then it goes on in verse 27. We're told to resist the devil. Verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, that he may be able to give to him that needeth. Very sensible and practical. To be able to help others. He's not merely to steal, to stop stealing, but to become a workman for others. That's what we're in. To be workmen for others. Then verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Then in verse 30, grieve not the Holy Spirit. Whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption, as we were talking about last week. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. We're not to grieve him by sinning. That's how we are to behave. Then in 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Then in verse 32, be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. What sensible advice. It's a very good chapter. Read it. What very sensible advice I received from my friend that day in the hockey pavilion. Looking back, there are many occasions when I did not act on the words of Ephesians 4. But you know, this world is in a dark, it's a dark world, and we are meant to shine as lights in this world. Recently, we've seen the example of our MPs, our bankers. We see strikes, we see wars, we see so much evil in the world. Bankers taking these vast bonuses. MPs never doing anything wrong but twisting the rules to suit themselves look at James 4 a picture of the world today go to now ye rich men weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you they're all beginning to moan they're going to change the rules and we, we haven't had many of the MPs coming out and saying, that's great, the rules are all going to be changed, everything's going to be better. No, they're beginning to howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered and the rust on them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Listen to this. Just exactly what it says in Deuteronomy 24. Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud. Crieth. And the cries of them that have reaped are entered into the ears of of the Lord of Sabaoth. Just what it said in Deuteronomy. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and have been wanton 
ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. But here's the message that James gives to the Christians. Be patient therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. What a hope we have. Grudge not, do not grumble one against another. Brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. The coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Amen.